Terang hilang aku menyiangkan lengan Rule makis ku alungan atu lewu Daya erang hilang aku ngundres santa be'e Banget atu lewu Ku lagi sumangate. Naranku Sinta, aku Tika Dayak Maanyan dan Iru adalah Salam Tika. Kami kaum Ketuluh Ulun Dayak Maanyan, Tika Kalimantan Manon Ketuluh. My name is Emanuela Sinta. I'm coming from Kalimantan and I was born in Central Kalimantan and I'm an indigenous Dayak woman. Dayak has a lot of sub-tribes and I come from Dayak Maanyan sub-tribes. Across the globe in 2019, forests are burning, including ancient rainforests that have been permanently wet for millions of years and were once considered fireproof. Brazil recorded over 41,000 fires in the Amazon, with more than half occurring in August 2019 alone. There are hundreds of fires burning across the Australian continent, and in Indonesia, there have been over 73,000 fires between September and December, with some of the worst in Kalimantan, home to the indigenous Dayak peoples. Renovolum Foundation is a foundation that I founded in 2016. We start from 2014 as a community. We use media as a tool for social change. Fires across Australia have inundated cities and towns, including Sydney, Brisbane and Canberra, with weeks of toxic haze. Since 1997, the people of Kalimantan have regularly dealt with fire outbreaks and toxic haze events so large, they impact neighbouring Singapore, Malaysia and the Philippines. Like Australia, many of the areas on fire in Indonesia are home to precious wildlife, like the critically endangered Bornean orangutan. Ranuelum come from Dayak language and it literally means living water. We started as a community in 2014 when we do realize that we have a lot of problems, whether it is indigenous rights, environmental and also social justice and humanity. We are a group of young people who thinking about how to bring these matters to the world through media. Maybe you know about forest fire that happened in 2015 and that's our turning point when we start to go down as a volunteers and travel around the villages to help the villagers coping the fire and haze. And while we are traveling to the villages, we do realize there are a complicated things regarding the indigenous people rights that happen in Kalimantan. So the idea of this Runaway Loan Foundation is really simple. We are Dayak people and we are young people that have been equipped with skills, with technology and educations. And we need to use our ability and our platform to stand for our people, to speak for those who cannot speak for themselves. And we use it by cultural approach. We look at it as a movement that comes from our heart to protect our land to protect our sisters and brothers and to fight for the heritage from our ancestors. So we just address all things that need to be addressed to the world. Indonesia is the world's largest palm oil producer. The 2019 fires are the worst since 2015 and 97-98 before that. 
Until the 1990s, the traditional practice of dry season slash and burn, using fire to clear land for new planting, was undertaken in accordance with local wisdom. But a drier global climate, deforestation and more extreme and regular El Nino events have combined to make the fires worse. With major haze events in 2001, 2003, 2005, 2006, 2009, 2010, 2013 and 2016. You get the idea. The hardest hit areas are the palm oil centres, Kalimantan and Sumatra, which account for 44% of all Indonesian fires since 2001. Big palm oil companies insist they have no burn policies and blame indigenous smallholders for starting fires that then spread to their plantations. Experts say it's hard to know who's responsible because of an industry-wide lack of transparency and the sheer number of international companies involved. Indigenous voices are not well represented in our country and our aim is to bring the voices from our people to be heard not only in Indonesia but also in other countries. And we do realize the problems that we face right now, we cannot fight it alone. We need strength from people that like-minded and people that understand that climate change and environmental destruction is the real thing. And we as indigenous people have an important role to fight against it, to preserve the forest. And my mission is really to bring our voices to the world. In 2016, a Corruption Eradication Commission, or KPK, audit found the palm oil industry permit license process lacked transparency and accountability. However, Indonesia's national land agency, the BPN, which oversees the permit process, continues keeping palm oil permit data secret, arguing 1. Commercial inconfidence, that old chestnut. 2. Corrupt local thugs could use data against vulnerable companies. And 3. Too much public scrutiny, that's right, too much public scrutiny could undermine the palm oil industry as a whole. Now you can't make this stuff up. Between 2014 and 2019, even without permit data, the KPK, the Corruption Eradication Commission, charged and convicted over 250 legislators for corruption including 22 members of parliament, local governors, mayors and district chiefs who have issued permits in exchange for bribes. The land agency's refusal to release data ignores anti-corruption recommendations by Indonesia's ombudsman, defies a 2017 Supreme Court order and prompted the Corruption Eradication Commission to publicly describe the land agency as open to corruption alongside three other natural resource sector regulators, the Ministry of Energy and Mineral Resources, the Ministry of Agriculture, and the Ministry of Environment and Forestry. In Kalimantan right now, we have more than 500 palm oil companies, different companies and different plantations, and only 12 that belong to Indonesia, the other belong to private companies and also from other countries. So that's really massive problems. 1997 is the first time the fire happened in central Kalimantan because of the failed project from our first president. It's called the 1 million hectares project for peatland. Peat release more carbon when you burn it and when you dig it, it will make a peat dry. So what's happened is the former president instructed to dig 1 million hectares 
and it destroyed the land and make the, the lands all very dry and ongoing fire for six months at a time. Even the carbon emissions that released in 1997 was 2.5 billion tons. And it keeps coming back every year until this year. And in 2015, it was one of the worst fires that happened over two decades. It released the carbon emissions that released in 2015, forest fire and haze, it surpassed the amount of carbon emissions that released the whole Europe and the whole U.S. So this is really a big and massive fire and it affects not only people in Kalimantan, not only Indonesia, but also other countries and even the world if we talk about climate change. I see children dying. I see elders dying. I see my sisters and brothers couldn't breathe at all. And even I myself, I experience it, how it feels so difficult for you to breathe because you're starving of oxygen, nowhere to hide. You also see your home burn. It's not okay. It's never okay to see your home burning. But that's what we experience. We see our homeland, our beautiful forest, all just turn to be ashes. That's why we really fighting hard for this. It's not only about the forest, but it's really about the life and the existence of dire people that live really depending on the forest. Over the past 20 years, the habitat of orangutans is lost almost 90%, and 50% of the rainforest is gone. Not only due to the forest fire, but also to the uh, expansions of palm oil plantations and lodging and mining. So... When people see money in the natural resources, they do not see life. But that's what we see. We see life here. Orangutan now is really in the danger due mm. to the forest fire and also the deforestation that happened. I have spoken to uh, so many elders and they always told about how beautiful is the forest in the past and how it's very easy for them to see orangutan around them. It's just live by your house. And they never see orangutan as the enemy because they really live with the forest. But now they cannot see that anymore. So if we talk to the elders, 80 years old or 90 years old, they will tell about how close they live with the animals in the forest, including orangutan in the past. But right now, 90% of the habitat of orangutan is lost. Especially in 2015, thousands of orangutan died. Because of starvation in the forest, they lost everything. Right now, also, we have several organizations that work for the conservations, orangutan conservations in Kalimantan. We have Yayasan Bos Borneo Orangutan Survival. They work very hard to save orangutan from extinction. But it's still a very big homework for all of us. And even for Dayak people, there's another discussion about it, actually. But yeah, we protect the biodiversity in our places. So I do not agree if some people from outside will say the indigenous people are the ones that cause the extinctions of the animal. It's not true. It's not true at all. In September 2019, the Indonesian parliament passed a bill limiting the Corruption Eradication Commission's activities. Since the KPK's formation in 2003, the Indonesian parliament has tried to limit its powers no less than eight times. The KPK will no longer be an independent state institution. Instead, 
It's now a government agency staffed by the very civil servants it was tasked to monitor. It will be overseen by a council handpicked by the President and members of Parliament, and it's been stripped of its ability to carry out independent wiretaps, a key weapon that's helped achieve a near 100% conviction rate. The 2019 bill prompted calls for President Widodo to quash the law. Despite building his career on fighting corruption, he made it abundantly clear he won't issue an executive order, contradicting earlier promises he made to strengthen the KPK. Kalimantan is the third biggest islands in the world, and maybe people will know it as Borneo. And the part of Borneo that belongs to Indonesia is Kalimantan. And that's a very beautiful island and one of the oldest rainforests in the world, like 140 million years old. And also the culture is so beautiful. The people are amazing. And Dayak people are the indigenous people of the land. And we consist of more than 400 sub-tribes that speak 400 different languages. So the biodiversity also amazing. You know, everything is amazing. And orangutan, as people know, the beautiful orangutan, the real habitat of orangutan is in Kalimantan. So I would say like that's a paradise. And I'm so proud to call Kalimantan is my home. There are different understandings about what is Kalimantan means, but the most common known is a lot of rivers there. It's like an island of thousand rivers. Kali means rivers in Bahasa. And yeah, we have a lot of rivers and that's one of the essential things for the Dayak people to protect not only forests, not only the soil, but also the rivers. Globally, it's dangerous for frontline human rights and environmental defenders. Around 164 Indigenous environmental activists were murdered in 2018 for protecting their homelands from exploitation, from mining, food and logging firms. In Indonesia, reported cases of violence against journalists rose to 64 in 2018 from 60 in 2017. The main perpetrators, companies and the state. And between 2010 and 2018, there were 171 recorded cases of violence against activists, and most of the victims were environmental and land rights defenders. In the last half century, more than 74 million hectares of Indonesian rainforest, twice the size of Germany, have been logged, burned or degraded. In 2015 alone, 2.6 million hectares of land was destroyed by the fires, causing $16 billion worth of damage. Estimates suggest that over 100,000 people died as a result of these fires, including health complications from the toxic smoke. The recent deaths of journalists and activists defending environmental protections in Indonesia have raised concerns over Indonesia's political, democratic and press freedoms. Kalimantan in the past was not the part of Indonesia. It should be self-governance. You know, it should have its own governance, but everything's changing. Like a lot of things change, including like the transmigration when the second president Suharto moved the Japanese from Java Island to Kalimantan, and our people, Dayak people, experience displacement, being put on the side. That's history, but I do realize that it really has impact on our current lives, about our associations with other tribes, especially Japanese, and also with Jakarta, with other cities. So the way I see this, like, 
first is because something that happened in the past in the history where Dayak kingdom being destroyed by Japanese kingdom by Majapahit kingdom and the second is what happened in 1997 that transmigrations even the government moved Japanese people to Kalimantan and we experienced displacement so it's like a double things that really put the Dayaks under the pressure under the shadow of Japanese until today it we can still like really feel it in every policy that government make it's not based on the local people it's always based on their understanding including the way how they manage the land they make the same policy in java with in kalimantan but actually it's different kind of soil and at the end they destroy the ground they destroy the soil first biggest threat is the loss of the forest because they are people lives really depending on the forest depending here it's not only about livelihood but the connection to our ancestors and it affects also to the connections of young people to their culture and their ancestors not because they want to be disconnected but because there is not enough forest around that's the biggest threat and the second one is the displacement that we experience right now as i mentioned the policies that made whether it is in central government and even in the local level are not for the advantage of the local people the 2019 fires in indonesia australia brazil and california are a global emergency while frontline human rights and environmental defenders may not be getting murdered in australia as in places like indonesia honduras the philippines or brazil the past 5 years have seen the australian government pass legislation that limits journalists whistleblowers and citizens rights protections and activities this is made even more concerning because australia doesn't have an independent federal body that investigates corruption So what are the changes? Australian journalists face laws making it illegal to report on government activities, corrupt or otherwise, increased surveillance and police raids in prison. Whistleblowers have seen their legal protections removed and are being prosecuted by the government. Witness K as a whistleblower against ASIS, Kevin Frost, a whistleblower against the Australian Defence Force, and Richard Boyle, a whistleblower against the ATO. Frost took his own life in December 2019. And federal, state, and council laws criminalise peaceful protest, impose harsher sentences on environmental activists, outlaw secondary boycotts, and make organising more difficult. Despite repeated calls for a federal independent commission against corruption, Australia doesn't have anything like Indonesia's Corruption Eradication Commission. Like Indonesia, Australia's natural resource sector regulators have been implicated in questionable dealings. Angus Taylor, Minister for Energy and Emissions Reduction, is linked to two companies under investigation. Jamland, that's right, Jamland is accused of illegal land clearing, and Eastern Australia Agriculture is under investigation for questionable water permit sales. Barnaby Joyce, the former Deputy Prime Minister, was agriculture and water resources minister at the time of this sale and in 2019 Barnaby Joyce held the role of special drought envoy at a taxpayer cost of almost $900,000 to date the government has been unable to provide any reports and continues keeping any drought data collected a secret clearly like Indonesia these crackdowns on basic freedoms of speech and on journalists doing their jobs raise concerns over Australia's political, democratic and press freedoms. The term open to corruption also applies to Australia. It's not easy to deal with Indonesian government. 
because we are indigenous. And the second, because we are young. We are trying to speak to the Minister of Environment and Forestry just a few months after the massive fire in 2015. The minister got very defensive. Like, it's the sovereignty of the country and we try to solve all the problems that happen. That's our duty. But we say, yeah, okay, but it's happening for almost 20 years and you still do nothing. So it's quite challenging and very difficult even for us to get access to do this lobbying. But what we do is, like I mentioned, we use cultural approach because we're talking on behalf of our people and our belief and you got to respect it. So when we do lobbying, we always speak on behalf of our people. On behalf of our people, on behalf of Dayak people, and we show our identity. And of course, it's not easy. We try not only to complain. I mean, that's what we do. We do not only complain and say, these things, these things, you have to fix it. No, we become the part of the solution. We show them what to do. We do movement underground and we work underground and we show them, this is what we do. And we offer them, do you want to support us? Do you want to work with us? This is what we do. This is the result. And they will say, wow, that's a great thing, you know. If you talk very sharp and frontal about environmental or human rights issue, you will get no place in government. You will get no seat in the meeting. But if you walk through inspiring way, cultural, you got it. In 2015, the government of Indonesia only responds to the fire that happened in Sumatra because it's nearby Singapore and they ignore Kalimantan. But at the time, we have the connections from Channel News Asia Singapore. They came to Palangkaraya and made a live report and documentary and everyone was shocked because we live in the heart of the haze. You complain about the haze in the level of 100, but we live in the haze with air pollutions in the level of 3,000. So it's 10 times for the death risk. And just like me, the other young people also did not realize what happening in our land before the massive haze fire struck us. So we determined, we are determined to stop the fire and haze in Kalimantan. Well, we are still on the journey actually, but we try to do what we can do to help people. And we have this organization, Let's Help Kalimantan campaign, started by two girls, <laughs> two Singaporean girls. And then we have this big red button that now still partnership with us in building health shelter. And also at the time, we have Relief Singapore. So these three organizations that came to help us while governments uh, ethnically and shamelessly say they did nothing. Once we realized that this haze problem, it's not only like one-time problem, but we need to consider about the health impact because it keeps coming back every year. It will take decades, if at all, for the forests to recover from the 2019 fires. Who knows the extent of the damage to precious plants and animals, the cost of deforestation and illegal land clearing, or the long-term health impacts from the toxic haze. What we do know is that we can't afford to allow governments to continue protecting corrupt systems, propping up unstable and illegal mining and agricultural industries, and defending dishonest politicians. 
we speak to people from health departments even like we have several meetings also in Jakarta but well it's still under progress to to make this solution as something that Indonesian government really accept First, now we already develop a shelter, has protections that we work together with our friends from Singapore. It's big red pattern. And this is actually the first head shelter in Indonesia. And yeah, because we are doing something good first, like I mentioned. We have partnership also with UNICEF to develop the health protection. It's still a prototype, but we really expect that Indonesian government will adopt it. To be applied uh, in other places that need the shelter because he's coming back every year and that's very urgent to protect the children especially. We give education. We use video and also presentations to the community schools and use our platform whether it is in a meeting or a conference to speak about how the fire started because not many people know about it. They think it's just natural thing. It's just common things and people become very passive and some other people from outside Kalimantan will have misconception, misunderstanding. They think it's Dayak farmers that start the fire and that's a wrong thing, wrong understanding actually and our part is to educate people about what's really happening. It's not just like what you see in the media but this is the real thing. We show them footage and we give them uh, the data that we have. We train young people to be responsive whenever they see the hotspots, whether it is in their backyard or near their schools. Yeah, I believe that the responsibility is not only belong to the firefighters or to the conservationists or to uh, green NGOs, yeah, but to all of us, especially for, for young people, young dire people. Because pit fire is different like a forest fire in common. It's like when you try to extinguish the, fi- the fire, the hotspots in one area, it can just pop up in other areas because the fire burning under the surface of the ground. So it's not only about how to protect the forest, but also who stands to protect the forest, you know, and how to protect the forest. Because if we just think about money can protect the forest or government right now put the ban on the burning on the farmers to protect the forest, but actually it's not the relevant solutions. I believe that everyone should take part in this effort to save our mother earth, to save our forest and to save the lives yeah, of the people. The music in this piece is traditional Dayak music from the Smithsonian Folkways album Dayak Ritual and Festival Music. The songs are Kalimantan, Bantang Lawai, Belatan Sentiu Sweet, and Dance Song. <laughs> 